Welcome to the OT lifestyle movement. This is for the occupational therapy visionaries and the ones who see things differently. We're moving our profession forward through living and leading a truly holistic lifestyle. Hey, hey, hey guys. Welcome back to the OT lifestyle movement podcast. I'm Rhiannon Crisp, occupational therapist, personal trainer, and founder of otlifestylemovement.com. Guys, seriously, get ready, strap in. Today, we are diving head on into holistic OT, and we're getting our questions answered when it comes to figuring out what's actually within our scope of practice. And I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to than Emmy Vadness. Emmy is the founder of holisticot.org. She is an occupational therapist, intuitive healer, teacher, writer, and consultant. She provides intuitive development, integrative and holistic health, wellness and prevention services, and educations to individuals, healthcare practitioners, and organizations. Welcome, Emmy. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Oh, you are such an inspiration. I have been following your work for many years and it is such a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to share and to uh, just keep sharing whatever it is you'd like to learn and anybody else who might be listening as best I can. Awesome. Okay. So what we do at the start of every podcast is we hit the rewind button um, because we love to learn a little bit about our guests. So Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to do all the amazing work that you're doing today? Well, I will do my best to give you a very short version. Um, Well, I've been an occupational therapist since 1996. And um, I, when I first came out as an OT, I'm here in the Twin Cities. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is the capital of Minnesota and the twin of Minneapolis. And when I came out as an OT, it was very saturated for therapists. And so I um, found myself doing a lot of work in skilled nursing and transitional care unit, which I enjoy working with the older adult population. Um, But I was very uh, inexperienced and didn't really realize that I was not probably going to be doing a lot of rehab. And so all that I had had learned in school, I wasn't really able to apply the same way I wanted to. And I quickly discovered, and I even had this thought before when I was still in OT school, that I really wanted to work on the prevention side of helping people. And I uh, quickly saw how people would have, sadly, you know, stroke after stroke, heart attack after heart attack, people having um, all sorts of, you know, sad things happen from diabetes that we all know in healthcare can happen. And at the time, it wasn't really... Uh, well understood that some of these things might be preventable. I mean, I think we knew at the time that, for example, more people tended to have heart attacks on Monday mornings, Um, you know, people going to work and stress and so forth. But we have a lot more data now about all of this. And also, um, I myself was experiencing some, um, what I thought might be, you know, uh, contributing to some of these health conditions for people was, um, you know, stress and lifestyle, which we all, a lot of us know about, you know, healthy lifestyle and so forth. Now there's been a lot of data that's come out, but 
I really um, started myself experiencing symptoms of burnout because I felt like I wasn't really able to um, contribute the way that I wanted to. And, um, and, and I do think that end of life care is very necessary and I've approached that much differently as the years have gone on. But, um, I, I kind of moved past from, I know that rehab and people are going to have, you know, genetic or accidents or certain things that happen. And, and I don't know, maybe everything's preventable, but we do seem to all pass from this life. Something's going to take us at some point, but I really wanted to support people in that regard. And I'd always been interested in something that has often been referred to as alternative medicine. And so I um, kind of just hit a wall and I took a break from working as an occupational therapist. And I ended up taking some classes in Qigong energy healing because I had learned about that and how it might be help people. And I was very much a skeptic, a healthy skeptic. And uh, at any rate, that particular facility um, was one of the first, actually, I think it was the first holistic health center in the Twin Cities that opened in the 70s. And I started working at the front desk and then I became the office manager and I helped out with the Qigong school as well and went on to become, um, do the training and you know complete their certificate program in that. And so from there, it was just really a journey of um, a lot of introspection of how can I help serve because here in the United States and probably a lot of places in the world, I, I don't know for sure, but um, prevention is not reimbursable in healthcare. And so I just kept um, following my heart. I actually met a woman, um, Betty Ann Ertwine, who became my intuitive development teacher. And uh, there weren't really many people around uh, to mentor me um, in mainstream healthcare around doing some of these things. And I found that meditation and Qigong and massage therapy, and I studied all these different forms of holistic health, to me almost seemed more like the real medicine that, um, I mean, I know there's a time and a place for surgeries and, and pharmaceuticals and so forth, but, but that's how I got into this. And then really from there, I just take, took, uh, continue to take continuing education courses and, um, and then just continued to listen to my intuition and met different groups of people and, um, just, you know, continued for, for years on that. So that's kind of how I got started. I hope that wasn't too long of an answer. <laughs> no, and I love it because it was quite a journey, right? It wasn't something that you initially dove straight into. Sort of doors opened as you progressed along your own personal journey. Yeah, and I think that, you know, in hindsight, now that I can look back over 20 years, I mean, really, it is a journey. It's everybody has their own personal journey in life. And that's what I've come to recognize is that I think the old structures of thinking that, you get a job and you stay there until you retire um, aren't quite the same as what they used to be. And I think people are a lot more creative and a lot of innovation, you know, needs to happen um, on our planet. And so I'm recognizing that, you know, I'm a big, yes, I'm a champion of, of holistic integrative health, but I'm also a huge champion of having people listen to their inner wisdom, which really, when you look at a lot of integrative health approaches, um, other than things like, you know, nutraceuticals or uh, supplements or diet and things like that. But, you know, that, that's really what, what we're getting at is, is helping people to get into that quieter state, um, be able to connect with that, you know, have that, that true, you know, not the cliched, but the true mind-body-spirit connection. Mm, I love that. So let's dive into holistic OT. So I want to ask you, what is a holistic OT? Because as occupational therapists, we are meant to be inherently holistic. So yeah. what does holistic OT mean to you? 
Sure. It's a great question. Fair enough. So I chose to become an occupational therapist because of the proclaimed um, uh, holistic inherent aspect of the profession. And what I found again here, I'm in Minnesota in the United States, um, that I found that actually in practice, it wasn't as holistic as I thought it would be. Um, aside from that, there, when I worked at, uh, there was a time from 2003 to 2005, I worked as an integrative medicine practitioner at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minneapolis, loved it. Um, we worked in all sorts of different units, helping people with integrative health. And I worked alongside holistic nurse clinicians. And I knew that there are holistic physicians, holistic doctors. And I thought to myself, why don't we have holistic OTs? And that really, from that term of holistic, what I mean by that is what has um, often been referred to as alternative medicine, now integrative health, but combining it with occupational therapy. And I knew that integrative health or integrative medicine really at the time that I was you know, getting a lot more confident using these by working at the hospital and so forth, these techniques, I knew that integrative medicine was a term that was more used within mainstream healthcare. Um, however, I also knew that most people um, people outside who are unlicensed or just people who are not healthcare practitioners don't really know what integrative medicine or integrative health means. And actually, quite frankly, a lot of healthcare practitioners still do not know what that definition is. And so I went ahead and just thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and just start writing about what I think holistic OT could be. And I just started blogging about it. I think I wrote a blog post, um, I believe it was in 2011. And uh, slowly and then quickly, all these OTs started contacting me. And uh, Mandy Lubis, she's in uh, the Boston area. Um, she and her partner now have a wonderful uh, health center out there. But uh, we got together and we decided to write an article for uh, Advance for OT Practitioners magazine. And it was so popular, talking about holistic OT, that we actually had a column with that magazine for about five years. And I recognized that there was really a zeitgeist happening of people who were like myself, who um, recognized there's these other techniques that, um, you know, things like yoga, Tai Chi, Reiki, Qigong, aromatherapy, things like this, that um, can be beneficial for people. And so really in the last 10 years, I've seen a lot more research and evidence come up with it. So I went ahead and I started um, having these monthly holistic OT conversations with various OTs talking about how they use it in their practice. I've done a lot of blogging, a lot of writing, and uh, went ahead and made the holisticot.org website as really as a resource for occupational therapists, but also people seeking those services. And so, and then, you know, social media has really grown up over the last, um, well, the last decade, really. Um, and so that's just been a great way to connect with people. So I'm really pleased. I had no idea that it would grow this much. And I'm really pleased to see that such a movement happen in the OT profession. Mm. So what kind of holistic approaches can we integrate into OT practice? What have you well, seen? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that last part. I was just wondering, what have you seen along this time, you know, with different practitioners entering into this area, what sorts of things have OTs been incorporating? Well, lots of things. Um, to answer your first question, I think it's important that um, for those who are here in the United States, there is a position paper that was created by the American OT Association. It's the OT with Complementary Health Approaches and Integrative Health position paper, and that outlines how we can utilize these approaches in our practice. Um, and it also 
encourages all of us that we need to, reminds us really that we need to look to our state laws. And so wherever you are, you know, I know you're in Australia, wherever you are in the world, it's important to look to your governing agencies and to understand what, what the laws are around it because it's different in different places. Um, but here in the U.S., um, I've seen lots of different things. Um, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, Reiki, Qigong, Tai Chi, aromatherapy, craniosacral therapy. I mean, the list really goes on and on. And, but the thing is, is that uh, things like acupuncture, you know, there's some, there's, that's something that here in the U.S., uh, people have to have a master's degree to do that. Um, certain states have laws that you have to be a licensed nutritionist to give nutrition advice or to, to give, you know, uh, recommendations on nutrition. And so I think that, you know, knowing your laws, knowing your ethics about your training and background, right? Because if there isn't a particular law around, for example, teaching somebody meditation or guided imagery, well, if you've just taken a weekend course, yeah, there's probably some things you could start using in your practice um, but to really look at your ethics and how you're utilizing that to make sure that you, you know, are, are adhering to those high standards for yourself and for your client. Um, and I think aromatherapy is another one. I, I love aromatherapy. I love essential oils. Um, but I think it's important. We also have to be careful that we are not um, trying to be physicians or doctors and treating conditions with particular types of substances, or I know some are, get, are interested in herbs and so forth. And so, and who knows, maybe some of these laws and boundaries will change over time, but, um, you know, but I think, you know, using aromatherapy, for example, emotional regulation, I think can be quite um, appropriate. And there are, there is data to show that. And it's also um, making sure that you have done some good education and training in the background with that. So does mm. that help? <laughs> it does. And so do you find most OTs, and maybe if we look at you and your practice as well, do you provide the meditation, the yoga and Qigong under your OT umbrella or are you providing these services mm. separately? Yeah, really good question. So for myself at this point, I would say 99% of my clients who I see um, it is under my OT license because I can very much identify some type of activity of daily living, some form of occupation that's affected. Even if they're, um, you know, stress is a really great fulcrum to work with people around prevention if they don't have like a particular condition. But most people, um, most people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad, but I'm also sad on another level, you know, meet some type of criteria where you, they could maybe be able to get some type of reimbursement if you're using that model. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, you're right. There, there are some OTs who, like an example would be that there are several OTs now who are yoga teachers. Um, some who have gone on to get their 200, 500, and even thousand hour training in yoga. And I, and I've had conversations with them that I, that they need to really ask themselves, you know, am I providing OT? Am I working with a particular aspect of a person's lifestyle? Um, and, and it does get a little bit, you know, um, I'll just say tricky in that when you're doing prevention and wellness, we can as OTs do prevention and wellness. Again, here in the United States, we can. That's one of the six key practice areas according, according to AOTA is health and wellness. Um, and so, so in that regard, um, what I usually suggest to OTs when they are also yoga practitioners is to, in a lot of cases, they carry insurance for both. So if they're teaching like just a straight yoga class, 
you know, they're not really under their OT license, right? That's, that's really just doing straight yoga. Um, but if, so then they would have a yoga, if they're independent, they would have, have their own uh, insurance for that. And then if they're working as an OT providing yoga, you want to have, make sure that you're doing it from an OT lens of having a comprehensive OT <clears throat> evaluation and plan of care. So, um, so I think a simple kind of way to think about this is that if you are trained in a particular technique and you're just doing that, let's say that you're just providing craniosacral therapy session after session after session with somebody, are you, is that really OT? Probably not. Um, but if you're doing OT and that's one of the techniques you're using, then that probably is OT. Yeah. Okay, great. So what are some of the questions then that OTs can ask themselves to work out the boundaries around this? Hmm. Well, um, I mean, I feel like I've kind of highlighted most of them. I think having education, I think the other key piece that's really important and really amazing and cool about integrative health, and this is why it's helped me so much personally in my life and why I teach from a self-care perspective when I teach my continuing education classes is that I think it's really good for you as an OT to uh, also have whatever you're teaching or wanting to share with your clients, that that's something that you've adopted into your own lifestyle. So now, you know, after many years of going to various yoga classes, I finally settled on a great yoga studio um, many years ago, over a decade ago. And uh, I went there religiously and not that I'm practicing yoga as a religion per se, but I went there, you know, as very disciplined. And now for many years, I've had my own daily yoga asana practice, but I also have, you know, my, my own flavor of meditation and prayer and, and all the things that I do so that I can, um, you know, really that you're practicing what you preach as well. And that's a great way to integrate these approaches in to be able to understand them, to be able to really share, um, because things like meditation, I know there's a lot of great meditation apps and a lot of great free YouTube videos and people are getting a lot of benefit out of that. I do think it's helpful to have a teacher because it is the inner psyche. And, um, you know, there's little, um, uh, little traps that can come up for certain people sometimes. And uh, so I think, it's, I think it's good to have that self-care training and then also probably some form of mentorship or some type of ongoing support um, as you're going forward. Mm, okay, awesome. So just to recap that, so what you're saying is it is within our scope of practice to provide other services, I suppose, under our OT umbrella if we have training in it and if it's occupation focused. And it's within your, uh, your municipality's laws or your, you know, your, um, whatever, wherever you're located, state or province, that it is something that that is, um, that's why it's mentioned in that position paper that you should know your state laws so that you're not doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's really promising for a lot of OTs because I find this such a great area and I find questions come up all the time. And particularly for myself, even years ago, when I started looking into this, I didn't know where to start and I didn't know what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I, I've, feel like there's a lot of other OTs out there who are exactly the same, who have this fear around it and they feel like they have to offer different services. Like I am only doing occupational therapy now, okay, and tell the client, okay, now I'm doing craniosacral therapy mm -hmm. and they can't almost be intertwined. Yet mm -hmm. from our occupational lens and from our focus, it is almost very hard to pull them apart if 
if we're coming from that occupation lens. Um, yeah. I think another way, yeah, I, pre- I appreciate what you're saying. I think another way to think of it is that when somebody is, um, you know, documenting or billing for these services, and even if you're not billing, but to think about what kind of codes you might use, because that's going to help you identify how you're using it therapeutically. So for example, meditation could be a self-care, could be an ADL, it could be a therapeutic activity, it could be neurocognitive retraining, it could be neuromuscular reeducation. So there's, so if it's something that, that you feel could benefit your client and it's something that they are, um, I think it's important to highlight, you know, the, sometimes people I think are nervous to present some of these approaches to people thinking that there might be personal biases against that. But I think if we, if we are unsure ourselves and we present this to our clients, our clients are going to feel unsure. So we need to have, be confident. And that's why I suggested people adopt these for their own self-care practices. Cause that's really how you're going to get confident as well. Um, so that you can share with them that yes, there is efficacy based research behind this. And I'm suggesting this as your therapist, because I think it could be helpful for you. Would you like to try it? Um, you know, I sometimes suggest in my classes that, to suggest to uh, somebody who's maybe even a PRN OT, do they don't have any rapport with the client? It's a Saturday morning. The person's in pain. Uh, they're obviously, you know, most cases. I think a lot of people who are receiving therapy in TCU's or in hospitals are actively going through a traumatic experience. Um, and so I sometimes suggest to the client if they're not wanting to participate in therapy, maybe you could say to the person if 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 um, I know something that I think could probably help you lower your pain and your stress and maybe your anxiety levels? Would you like to try it? And it's something that might even help you in under 15 minutes. Would you like to try it with me today? And most people will go for that. Mm, Awesome. Are you Mm -hmm. able to give us some examples of how you use your alternative and complementary therapies with your occupational lens, just so we can get a vision and we can see what's possible? Yeah, so I have a what would be considered more of like a community-based therapy practice, uh, healing practice. Um, it's not always rehab in a certain sense. To me, I think of it as sort of like life, right? Like we're all on this journey. Um, and a lot of the folks that I that I work with, I mean, they might be dealing with cancer. They might be dealing with um, some type of structural issue. They might have uh, some knee that maybe they've had surgeries on that isn't quite always healing or sometimes gives them trouble. Um, They might be going through uh, some type of mental or physical health condition, whatever it is. And so basically for me, I've been an OT for a number of years. I have my own modified client intake form that I use and and do an an interview with them. And I generally will do a, um, actually an energy healing assessment from an intuitive perspective. Um, so that for those who are open to it, I always ask their permission, of course, um, because that can sometimes fill in the blanks or give me more information than what we, maybe what we got in conversation or what they were um, able to tell me verbally. Um, and that also gives me a perspective of understanding. I ask questions around people's beliefs around spirituality and religion, if they practice anything and if they're searching or, you know, what gives them meaning and purpose in life. Um, because I also know that when I do that energetic assessment, I can get a sense of how rooted they are to the earth or how much they might be, um, spiritually connected or not connected. And by spiritually, I guess I mean more from like the metaphysical perspective, you know, sans, whatever my belief is, but within their belief system, whether they identify as atheist or have a particular religious or spiritual belief. But at any rate, from an energetic perspective, that helps me understand and, um, and then of course I asked them, you know, 
why did you seek me out? Why are you coming to see me? What is it that you want support with? What, what goal or intentions do you have? And what have you tried that's helped you? So I can have an idea of what they've already gone through. And um, how do you know that you have reached that goal? Because that gives me a tangible outcome that they're looking for. So right there, they've already given me at least one long-term goal. And usually I can identify many more, which we all can in our lives, right? There's always ways to improve on a lot of things in our, in our lives. Um, but then we, of course, prioritize, not too, not too dissimilar to sort of an uh, impromptu or modified uh, Canadian occupational performance measure, the COPM. And then from there, I offer the various ways that I can support them. And um, I do a lot of uh, coaching or, as you, you know, therapeutic dialogue, active reflective listening. Um, and I think that, like I said earlier, the stress component to me is so significant um, because, uh, because of our fast paced society, because of so many things happening in the world. And also, I recognize from that intuitive development or intuition perspective that a lot of people are disconnected from their true selves in that regard. And they have a lot of, um, I would say, um, and a lot of different health conditions, not all, I don't know that to be true for sure, but I would suspect most, if not all, have an underlying core belief component that's impacting the person. So I do a lot with people around meditation, guided imagery, mindfulness, but, the, but being able to truly help them shift some of their beliefs so that they can um, open more to possibilities. And I also like to use EFT, emotional freedom technique. I've seen a lot of great transitions, transformations happen with that as just some, some examples. And I'm also trained in various forms of body work and other types of techniques as well. So that's just to give you a little taste anyway. Oh, that's amazing. And I think it really does just open the doors and the minds of OTs out there who are oh, listening in. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's great. And it's really hear. inspirational. Yeah. I think I think what you're doing is inspirational. Thank Everyone, you. if you haven't checked out Emmy's um, Facebook group, go check it out. It's Holistic OT. There's mm -hmm. heaps of people in there. There's lots of information. Um, yeah, the whole the Facebook group is Holistic Occupational Therapy. I think if I was able to turn the clock back, I might have just made it Holistic OT. But uh, the, yeah, they're Holistic Occupational Therapy. So yeah. <laughs> there's there's over four thousand OTs from around the world currently interacting on there. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. No worries. Well, we might start to wrap it up. Let's head to the three rapid fire questions. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm on a game show. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Are you ready? Alrighty. Question one. Drum roll, please. Um, in one sentence, how do you describe OT? Hmm. I would say that occupational therapy helps people to be as functional in their lives as they would like to be. Love it. Number two. I used to have, it used to be a lot longer, but over the years, <laughs> you know, simple, <laughs> keep it simple. Uh, that's it. It can get confusing. And the simpler we can keep it, the more understood our profession can be, I think. <laughs> Number two, uh, what's one healthy lifestyle habit listeners can implement today? Hmm. I think connecting with your heart. You know, I've studied a lot of different meditation techniques. I, I've taught a lot of different meditation techniques and guided imagery. And I think that really at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down as mindfulness talks about, but being present. And I think sometimes even just placing your hand on your heart, um, focusing on your heart, taking a nice gentle breath in and out and just connecting with that part of you that is loving 
that loves to love and loves to receive love. Mm. And that can really, I think, be very, you know, resetting and centering. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you. Number three, last question. And if you could only offer one piece of advice to OTs, what would it be? Well, it dovetails on what I just said. Follow your heart. Trust your inner knowing. Trust your, your, your intuition because it will, it'll never guide you astray. But you have to be able to allow yourself the mud from the mind to settle to be able to listen to it. And I think the quickest way is connecting to the heart to be able to do that. Mm, so powerful. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Emmy, for being with us today. Where can everyone find you? Where's the best way to connect with you and um, website, social media? Where do they go? Oh, you're so kind to ask. Yeah, so I have emmybadness.com and you can find me on Instagram and I'm on you know, Twitter and, and Facebook um, and also the Holistic OT community, uh, holisticot.org, as you mentioned, and, and we're on uh, all, the, all the same platforms as well, either as Holistic OT or Holistic Occupational Therapy. So we'd love to have you follow. And, um, and I do offer consulting and coaching for practitioners. In fact, I've been doing a lot of that now with COVID happening. I'm helping a lot of practitioners. So let me know if I can assist in any way. I'd be, I'd love to help you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emmy. We'll talk to you later. My pleasure. Bye. That's it guys. I hope this episode resonated with you, but more importantly, I hope that it inspires you to take action. If you haven't already come over and join our Facebook group family, where we connect and collaborate. You can find us really easy just by searching the OT Lifestyle Movement in Facebook. If you did love this episode, I'd be super grateful if you shared it. You can take a screenshot right now and share it on Instagram or on Facebook so we can connect with more amazing, like-minded, open-minded OTs. The more we share the OT Lifestyle Movement, the more we can create a ripple effect. And if you do love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review so we can be found more easily. That's it. Go out, create the epic change that you seek in the world because the world is ready for you. Carpe diem, guys.